0: coming up on today's episode of the real lives podcast
1: and we worked out which day the forest started his um, run on which was September the 15th 1979 and you can work that out from clues in the uh, in the audio and so it's September the 15th of uh, 2016 I found myself in a barbershop in mobile alabama <laughs> and i am um, walking down the streets in sydney and i get a phone call from uh, the head of Athletics australia who congratulates me for coming 10th in an IAAF gold race and asked me, did I know what that meant? And I was like, well, it's going to be on telly, isn't it? You know, I'm going to get my name in that list. And he goes, well, if you come 10th in an IAAF gold race, you qualify automatically for the Olympics. Going from Arkansas into Mississippi, I tore my quad getting into the RV one day. Just like the innocuous thing. I was like, hmm. next day I could walk. day after that, couldn't walk. When I say couldn't walk, I mean 30 foot to the toilet. Could not do it, had to hop. My only criteria for it was like, I wouldn't pay. I think I had like 70, 80 bucks was my pretty much maximum. Most of the time I'd aim for about 50, 60. And i just read the reviews. And if there was like no mentions of bed bugs in it, I'd be like, that's fine. I don't <laughs> care about anything else. Yeah.
0: Know? Now, Rob Pope... The guest of today's podcast is one of my favorite guests of all time. I've been trying to get him on for months and months and months after a recommendation from a friend who told me about his story and said, "Oh, you know, you should maybe try and interview him. Never in a million years thought I would. And, you know, the fact I got to have a pint with the guy was incredible. Such a really nice guy, proper, proper scouser and absolutely love spending the time with him that I did. And in this episode, we have a chat about his run across America, five times across America, the Forrest Gump run, which is crazy. We talk about some of the amazing people he met along the way, some of the horror stories he had from along the way. The you know the the budget he anticipated having, and how much they were spending, and you know flying back in two from uh, the UK to the US because of visa issues, and having. You know, finding out that he's going to be having a child midway through the run, uh, moving to Australia, how he nearly ended up representing Australia at the Olympics, even though he has no Australian citizenship, which is wild, and many, many other things. So if you enjoyed today's episode, then remember to follow Rob and support him online. You can find his links down in the description below. And also make sure to support the podcast and this little dude sat next to me because, you know, he needs feeding. So... Yeah, you can support the podcast by like, subscribe, sharing and following on all other social media platforms. So I would massively appreciate it if you could do that. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Rob Pope. I think firstly, it's best to start off with thanking the white horse, Walton, because mm-hmm. honestly, last minute I called them this morning. And they were like, yeah, no worries, accommodate you. So
1: I can't believe they done it as well. It's out cool. this is a cool background. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just a shame it's not open. Like it
0: says, such a good pub. I know, couldn't yeah. have had a pint and everything. But you know, uh, but yeah, honestly, class little place, class little pub. So if you're ever in Walton, come over, try it out, and all that. Um, but yeah, Rob, thanks so much for coming on been trying to get it done a while, but yeah, we got there eventually, we? Yeah. I'd like to pretend I was off running somewhere, <laughs> but it wasn't anywhere that cool. I mean, mate, you come in in proper Forrest Gump fashion, yeah. 15k run, got yourself a meal deal and then straight in with a hat on and everything. Like, honestly, love it. But yeah, uh, if you want to start off with, tell everyone who you are and what you do. So, uh, my name's Rob Pope and I'm probably best known
1: for becoming the first person to recreate Forrest Gump's run <laughs> five times across America.
0: Has anyone done it since?
1: Uh, I don't think anyone's that stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's like, I was listening to, it was basically a friend of mine from Liverpool who I met while I was in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, I told him I had a podcast and I was like, oh, you need to get this Rob, this Rob Pope on, and I was like, who's that? He was like, mate, just listen to his story, I had a listen, I was like, this is fucking crazy, like, I can't, like... say
1: hello to him when you see him, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and he's, yeah, he got me on you, and then obviously got this happening, so where, where did it all start for you? Because to go and run 422 days across America is fucking wild. So where did everything start out?
1: Uh, you know, you can probably pick a number of, uh, of uh, points during your life, but I may as well go with the one that works best for this, which is <laughs> Melbourne. Um, yeah. And so in 2012, I moved out to, um, to Australia to work with my girlfriend at the time. And um, I'd done running before, but, like, um, that was at school, you know, So up until I was about sort of 18. And then I just did the odd bit to keep fit while I was playing footy for the uni. Uh, And that's obviously soccer rather than (laughs) AFL. And uh, I actually thought about um, playing sort of, like, you know, footy when I moved to Australia, but I was 35 when I went. And it's the sort of age when, if you get injured, you're sort of done for about six weeks then, you know, like just with a little niggle. And then I, I stupidly even thought before I'd watched much of it, go, oh, well maybe I'll join an AFL team. And I watched <laughs> that for about ten seconds and I thought, no. Nope. Yeah. i <laughs> will just become a doggies fan instead. That was my <laughs> AFL air uh, tip. So I joined a, a local athletics club which is Western Athletics based in Werribee. Yeah. And um like so th- you know this is now when I had like multiple Olympians, uh, you know, Morgan, um, you know, Jack uh, Amy, Liam, you know, sort of so many great runners from there, and I um, joined and got better. I just started training with people who I like, but some were almost as fast as me, and some were a bit faster than yeah. me. And then you have this back and forth where you, you suddenly got faster than someone, but the person who was slower than you is now further on. And I got so uh, to a level where I got picked to run for Victoria uh, in the Australian oh, yeah. Marathon Championships in <laughs> Sydney in twenty fifteen. And so um, it was cool because it was like the first like, elite race briefing I'd ever been in. So they're telling you about, you know, the tight corners and where the drink stations are and where you put your special dedicated drinks. And I was like, I've not got any of those. i have got some flat coke
2: or something and put it there. Mm.
1: And um, so, yeah, I, I ran the race and uh, I came 10th. Uh, but everybody ahead of me was Kenyan or Japanese. And so mm. I go across the line. And Tim Crosby, who's head of athletics, Victoria, goes, and I said, Yeah, here's this, oh Max, it's not too bad. He goes, Congratulations, Rob, you're Australian champion. And I'm just like, oh, Tim, you know I'm not Australian, don't you? And he goes, Doesn't matter, mate, you've been here long enough. <laughs> you know, so you know, I bit I'd been there long enough to get picked at the state, eligible and so now later on that day, so I got, you know, proper, you know, men's marathon Australian champion, you know, it's just like it's like this one of my proudest possessions. And I am walking down the streets in Sydney and I get a phone call from uh, the head of Athletics Australia who congratulates me for coming 10th in an IAAF gold race and asked me, did I know what that meant? And I was like, well, it's going to be on telly, isn't it? You know, I'm going to get my name in that list. Yeah. You know? And he goes, well, if you come 10th in an IAAF gold race, you qualify automatically for the Olympics.
2: Jesus Christ. And I'm Christ. just like, I
1: was like, you are." <laughs> I was like, so does that mean you know, I've qualified for the Olympics? And he goes, well, so I'm going to the Olympics and he goes, Well, some of our runners are trying to get the qualifying times and if they get the qualifying time, will you you know consider to, if you know, we'll pick them, but if they don't, would you consider changing nationality? And I was just like,
2: Yeah <laughs> ah, Straight away. <laughs>
1: Absolutely no messing, you know. I'd consider changing nationality if I could go back there now. Anyway, mm. that doesn't without the Olympic <laughs> carrot and um, so as it happened they got, the, uh, they got the qualifying times and I came fifth in a three-horse race and so didn't go. But uh, yeah, I'm thinking about getting the Olympic ring tattoos, but only getting three of them done and then <laughs> have the other one in dots. Um, and then I was coming towards the end of my visa.
2: Hmm.
1: My former employer wanted us to stay, but I knew that we wanted to come back and try out the UK and I came back for a, for a job that I thought was going to be great. It turned out not to be what it was painted. And I'd wanted to run across America for about 15 years. And I'd sort of sent an email. I think I found it was about 10 years to the day that I set off. And it was asking a guy who'd written a book about running across America. I just read it. I was like, this is fantastic. And then basically he was like, well, you should definitely do it. And gets in the way. And when we moved back and suddenly I found myself without a job because we were quitting this. My missus just said, like, why don't we just do the America thing now? Jesus. And we were just like, right, let, let's go. And um, at this point, it had morphed into, you know, because originally I just wanted to run across it once, which is like a mammoth achievement, you know. There's probably only about, like, sort of, you know, I don't know, 350 people who've run across. Um, but I wanted to do something really big for charity. And so I was like, right, let's do something unique. And eventually it came to me that no one had done the Forest Gump route. And I thought, well, I will. I will set off and I'll at least start it. One person had done the second leg and in the middle of planning this, I read, you know, you going through, you scrolling on the news, it goes, man completes forest Gump run, And I'm like,
2: no, <laughs> you're kidding me.
1: I just read I got all the planning in place. But he'd only done the second leg and I was just like, right, if I'm reacting like that, some other person is going to be reacting like that in the world. And if I want to be the first person to do it, I've just got to go and we worked out we'd say, the forest started his um run on which was september the 15th 1979 and you can work that out from clues in the uh, in the audio and so it's september the 15th of uh, 2016 i found myself in a barbershop in mobile alabama <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's that's a that's a funny one that because i see i saw the picture where you just had the haircut done and it's it's such an outrageous haircut yeah. to get, but it's so on top it. I actually like, want, want
1: that as my normal haircut now. <laughs> and people just look at me going, does he know? <laughs> just, it's actually, it's not that far to go from Phil Foden, really. Oh, it, yeah, you know, no. so, <laughs> <laughs> just need to have a little bit more of a slap down at the front, oh, you know?
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's like, it, the, the whole story is incredible. And obviously the time that you did it in and to not do it with, the sponsors that some people get, like I'm pretty sure you'll have heard of Hardest Giza, guys running across Africa at the minute. He started out with very few sponsors, but like, look at the ones you've got on board now. I'm I'm
1: I'm one of the 140 people that Hardest Giza follows. So I'm I'm chuffed with that.
0: (laughs) Claims of fame. He's
1: he's a nice guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, But like, honestly, to to be able to do it, fund it mostly yourself, I can imagine. And, you know, just push through it even though you, like I've heard you say you spent like you were on your last legs in terms of money and oh, that. yeah so I, I want to get kind of into the logistics side of it so in terms of the planning how long did that take and then in terms of the estimated cost that you thought it would be what did you think that would be
1: well in, in terms of the sponsors and stuff um like sort of I, I never I never meant to do like I fully intended to get sponsors and so you know you write the letters and everything like that. Not being that social media savvy at the time, you know, sort of, and I, I come from a background where I find it really difficult to ask for stuff, you know, yeah. like sort of if you know, if I went around yours now and I was dying of thirst and you go, oh, Do you want to drink? I'd be like, Oh, more right. ice, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'd be sitting there going, Why didn't you just say yes? <laughs> and so, um, I was still fairly confident by the time we finished the first leg, we would get there and we got some good publicity in LA. But it never just—I don't know—just it never seemed to like sort of um, you know. And I reckon what it was, uh, and you know, I'm not taking any credit for out this geezer here, but maybe now sponsors have seen solo Beardy madman (laughs) doing a big long run might actually not be that bad a punt because I had a fear at the time because my goal was so big, you know, like sort of um, it's the biggest single run that will anyone will maybe ever do on a landmass, you know, sort of, uh, you know, certainly biggest in a single country. Um, And people probably just thought, he's he's just not going to do it, is he? You Mm -hmm. know, like sort of, he's not got a big sort of backup network, you know. And, and, oh, what happens if, like, sort of, um, you know, he's just a a proper wildcard maverick and we sponsor him and then he comes out and says something unsavoury. So, yeah. we we had we we'd saved enough money to put a deposit down on a house, and so we're like, right, that will get us across to the ocean. That was my athletic goal. So I could say, I've run across America, and we got there. And he said, and on the way back, you know, it's sort the, of, I'm sure it'll be fine, won't it? You know? <laughs> and then my my goal wasn't to run until I uh, ran out of money. It was to run until I was too tired and went home, just like Forrest. And that's why sort of it was an authentic, I wanted to be an authentic tribute to him, you know, sort of, it was basically not, uh, you know, he didn't, when he got up from his porch in the morning, you know, fair enough, he was the head of the Bubba Gum Shrimp Company and he probably wasn't struggling for cash, <laughs> but he certainly didn't put much logistics in place. He just got up and went. And I thought, if I'm going to do that, that's the way it is. And so it, we left with what we had. We decided to buy an old RV um, mm. because we figured it's lost all its value, you know, so we will have it. If we're higher than one, we're going to be losing four or five K a month, you know, so we just, yeah. we, we just struggled to got to the other side and we didn't want to spend our house deposit. I remember, we wanted to spend about a fifth of it, you know,
2: Jesus. and um,
1: we then, yeah, so bought that thing, huge 30 foot RV, just myself and my girlfriend in it, you know, and she'd be driving this and we bought the big one because we thought the sponsors were going to come on board, mm. we might be able to get, like, a physio, because I knew that this was going to be tough and, and everything like that. And even though I wanted to be an authentic start, I had no problems with it being a cushy finish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, going down the route, because there's no way I was going to do it with just myself
0: and Nadine. Mm. What well, was I? That, that's how it ended up, yeah. isn't it? Like, and that, that's what I love about it, though, is that even though it didn't pan out, Exactly the way you you thought it would at the start with bringing sponsors on board, the perseverance to still drive through it, and also credit to your now wife and Dean yeah. for sticking by it, and also saying you know what let's spend the money on this. This is your goal, and yeah. allowing you to do that, and it took a massive risk.
1: right? you know sort of you know we didn't have a nipper then, and so you know of course you know it maybe makes it slightly easier, but it was still a huge thing. You know sort of what happens if I'd have got you know. Wiped out by a car and I couldn't work after that. And then we've got
2: this
1: is not, nothing to, to get by with. And uh, if she was the only person. I'm sure like, some of my mates thought, oh, the mad sod. He's probably going to do it. But she was the only person who I think actually really knew what we had, what the real end goal was, because I was cautious of going, I'm going to do this. I'm going to smash that. You know, there's a lot of people who come out and, very loftily published sort of their, their goals in, in in a different way. And um I, I, that put too much pressure on me, you know, so like mm-hmm. fair play to them for having the, the guts to do it. But again, like sort of forest didn't sound going you know, to end up in the middle of the desert. And so um obviously harken back to the same thing. Like, you know, sort of if I'm from a single parent family background, you know, sort of who's whose whose mum sort of died and sort of, you know, you um, wanted to make her proud, and that was just exactly like Sort of Forest. And so, similarly, I th- I wanted to be humble about it, um, even though so some of the times when you were just like, you know, going through the desert and like there'd be an incredible sunset, you wanted to be anything but humble. You wanted to be like, look at this.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting as well that you bring your mum up because I read in a Guardian article about she'd said to you just before she died to do one thing that makes a difference. Yeah. And I'm not sure if straight away that was your thought that I'm gonna do this run that no one's ever done and no one has done since. But like, how how did you come to feel about that, and then also think this is gonna be my thing that makes a difference? It that
1: was basically what made me prepared to lose everything on it because, um, sort of my mum. Like I said we we went from a, a, like a stage in our life where sort of you know she was healthy. Um, she had a you know decent paid job, and we lived in nice like, sort of you know, uh, not like a big house or anything like that, but it was a you know a new build, and it was you know it was good. You know, it was a nice sort of family life. And then we went to the point where she got sick, lost the job, lost the house, lost everything. You know, mm. so sort of, we were in nice like, sort of you know sort of um like you know council accommodation, um and like sort of you know she'd still like make, do everything she could to get me up there and so. I didn't mind, you know, going down to zero because I've been to zero and I saw that you can work your way back up. But that sort of quote coupled with the two charities, which were the Worldwide Fund for Nature and Peace Direct, uh, with the two reasons that whenever I was wanting to quit, I was always just like, well, tell you what, I'll start today. Mm. And, you know, we'll go to the end of the week. You know, we've got like 60 bucks to get us to the end of the week. Let's just assess where we are at the end of the week and we'll keep going because it's it's dead easy um to just go, this is gonna uh, you know, this is gonna like sort of go nowhere. I may as well give up now and use that sixty quid on a, a you know, on a one last blowout in the pub, you know, because <laughs> yeah. things can take dramatic turns. You know, you see it in sport all the time, you know, like a team can be three 0 down at half time and then suddenly come back to yeah. win the thing. And um I chose those two charities, by the way, again, for The Forest Connection, um, because when he's running across the Mississippi, they say you're running for world peace, women's rights, the homeless, the environment, or animals. Mm. And those two charities, between them, um, you know, sort of cover all five of those bases, and you realise that how much that sort of women's rights is tied up with conflict, you know, like some macho societies, how environmental destruction leads to animals being pushed out, water loss, people haven't come into conflict. And so there was so much intermission to those charities that it was a natural choice to do that. And again, the amount of serendipity in this whole run where he just goes, oh my God, that fits. Like I was um, 38 when I started the run and I was sat in a diner somewhere. And one of the reasons I wrote the book was because I was losing memories like sand slipping through my fingers and I was like, I had, like, notes written everywhere and Facebook posts and photos. Then suddenly I'd forget who the guy was in the photo. And I was like, I have to get this down in a structured way, otherwise it's gone. It's gone mm. forever. And I was sat in this diner, and I just thought, um, how old was Tom Hanks when he started filming Forrest Gump and onto, onto the old Googlers from and was 38? And I was like, no way. <laughs> and, like, it wasn't even as if I was like, okay, I know September 15th, I'll be 38 that year, so we'll make it 2016. It was just because I had to leave that job. And yeah. it was just like, you know, circumstances force you in. Like, you know, Jenny left Forest, employment left me, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then off we went.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> Back to it after a little mishap from myself, but well, it was recording.
1: tell you what though, <clears> on the whole thing about the recording, I absolutely feel your pain because there'd be a few things like sort of at the start of the you know run, I'd like stop to add a chat to somebody, check the map, have a wee, and stop and watch. Oh. And then I'd go about 400 metres down the round and I'd be like,
2: no way!
1: <laughs> and I would turn around, I would do the 400 metres, I'd walk back. Yeah. You know, unless it was really quite far. And then I'd jog back. But I'd walk back and then restart my watch. On, like, the fifth leg, I'd be like, I don't care. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, there was once when um, it shows, like, how anal I was, like, with it. Um, we were in Texas, so this is, like, one somewhere in, in like, oil country. and it's like, really quite remote and everything looks the same. So I arranged to meet the dean like, sort of eight miles down the road. So I get there in good times. Sometimes I get there first, so she gets there first. She's not there for about half an hour. And I call her up and I said, where are you? She's like, I'm at the point. And I said, you know, at the point, I'm at the point. And I was just like, just let me check this. Because I wasn't going to, I said it wasn't going to go down the route. of I'm definitely right.
2: Mm. And I went, yeah, it looks like I'm not at the point.
1: (laughs) And I said, um, said, can you come and get me? So she comes and gets me. And um, she turns right at this junction. I'm like, where are you going? She goes, I'm going back to the point. I said, no, no. I said, "I, I I know I've run that far I said but I can't not run from where I went wrong to the point so yeah. I've got to go there and it was, it was getting late and she was getting mad and stuff and I was just like no I said that I can't have any points on this run where I take a lift I can take a lift off route and then come back to route hmm. but I can't have any point where someone goes oh you run across America and I go no apart from the six miles in Texas yes. where, uh, where we had that argument so uh, you know <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're up to speed on your technicals now, mate, because it's very frustrating. <laughs> oh,
0: no, honestly, like, and the thing—the thing with the runs as well. I bet, especially on that fifth leg, where you know, say you have run a mile down the road and then you realise you've not pressed play again. Mm-hmm. I can imagine you're just pissed off at everyone in the world at that. Yeah, point.
1: because unfortunately, um, a few years before I did mine, there was an another chap, uh, unfortunately also called Rob who was uh, trying to set a record of running across America. Huge sponsorship, big money ra- uh, resting on it. And he went um, first, like, to the quarter of it. He was doing super, super good. Then, like, you know, I think there's a lot of people in the world who could probably do it for a quarter of it. And then, obviously, the wheels come off as a word with everyone in his crew. And they're just like, all right, we're going to blag this. Mm-hmm. And so um, he got caught with the RV driving. Five and a half mile an hour down the road. Oh no, it wouldn't publish any heart rate data, so I was just like I can't do that, yeah. you know. And so, um, that's why I was so that's why I'd walk back, and even though I knew I'd done that 400 meters, that's why I'd walk back. But I tell you what, towards the end, I'd be like, if I was going to cheat on this, I wouldn't be cheating by half a mile, would I? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's that's madness, though. Yeah, but- I
1: got much more philosophical about it by the end,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess when you spent that long on the road dealing with all the trials and tribulations that you did, that you get to a point where the small things don't matter as much anymore. And it's just about getting to the end because obviously as well, yeah. you had a kid. It, mm. it was, was it during the fourth leg like, or?
2: Um,
1: it, let <laughs> so I was thinking more about the, 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 event rather than the, rather than, than her. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> the event happened. Um, midway through the fourth leg because i had to come home occasionally just to touch base visa wise and um, you know you'd, you're allowed a maximum of six months in the country at one time you're meant to spend as much time out in the country as you are in the country but i didn't have that time and so <laughs> i would go home for about two or three weeks with people who'd think oh that's nice uh little break but yeah. you would come back completely deconditioned to it you know and and, and we were so we went out there with the savings but you know it was nowhere near enough and then I had to come home and like work like a dog night shifts and yeah. stuff like that trying to get a bit of extra money and um so yeah I we came home for a couple of weeks in and in, I ought to say we um, Nadine wasn't with me at that point I was solo and uh yeah went to see Phil Collins in Hyde Park and uh you know
2: <laughs> but, it but happened. that's happened
1: after a lot of Phil Collins concerts I reckon and um so, yeah, Nadine was out. Um, I, I restarted in Chicago and ran up as far as Minneapolis, and Nadine comes out. I go and get her from um Nashville. We get the RV, which is based down the road in Tennessee, drove up and we reconvene in Minneapolis, head a bit further north, and we're just parked in a truck stop um, for the night. It's a deserted one. It's just now an empty lot. And Nadine quite often would open the RV doors. as I was coming towards it. She'd always have a drink for me. And she's standing there, you know, sort of, in, you know, not really saying anything. And she goes, I've got some news for you. I don't think you're going to like it. And I just went, I, I wanted to make a joke about not having any protein powder. But um, instead, I just I, I kind of guess I just went, baby? And she went, baby. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that was it. But unfortunately, I did like it. And uh, she thought that I would be a bit... um Upset about it, you know, because of what it meant for the run. And so I just said, right, okay, what's the timings? She told me what the timings were. And I said, okay, we'll complete the third leg and then we'll go home, oh, you know. And it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And she was like, absolutely not. She said, like, we'll complete the third leg. I'll go home. Oh, you carry on. And so, oh, uh, yeah, and like sort of I was dead against this, you know, sort of uh, apart from like the little bit in you. That, you know, that I was enjoying the run, but also thought about the, the commitment to the run and to, and to the charities and stuff. It would have been a big, big uh, run to have done that. It's still over 10,000 miles, but you're a bit like, mm, it's not what, you know, it's not the thing. Yeah. Um And so, yeah, when we got to San Francisco, the Dean flew back and then I went, well, not on my own. First of all, uh, a good friend of ours, Olivia, uh said, right, I will drive the RV. I'll get you across as far as Nebraska, and then I've, I've got to go home. But I was happy with that because that would get me through, like, across the Rockies, through Wyoming, you know, Colorado. And I was like, right, this would be great. And we were driving um, sort of just towards Utah from uh, the Las Vegas direction when a car smashes into the RV. No, I wasn't no. in it. Olivia was turning left. And an old guy around ninety was going to Vegas for his last ever blowout. And it turned out to be that he didn't he didn't well, he didn't cut his head and stuff like that, but he was, he'd be alright. Yeah. And um the son later would say to Olivia, he'd been begging his dad to stop driving for years and then that was that was obviously the thing and that was the RV, dead, dead until the very end. Um and me going solo once again.
0: So when you went solo, how did you feel about that? Obviously, you'd had the support throughout from your wife, and then all of a sudden you're there with a, with a stroller in front of you. This was, that.
1: this was the second time solo. The first one was a lot worse because um, I'd bought this stroller to actually run across Australia with. Um, oh, know about Ned. Um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I bought the stroller in Melbourne, never assembled it. I think I actually pushed it around my garage once, and that was it. And Nadine was going home in, Nash- in Nashville, so about third of the way now, half of the way through the second leg, maybe, because we just had no money, it was going to cost too much money to get the RV up through the East Coast, and it would have been a nightmare driving that thing through cities. And that's hated driving at night and in cities. with justification, you yeah, know, it's thirty-one foot long. Yeah. And um, so going from Arkansas into Mississippi, I tore my quad getting into the RV one day. Just like the innocuous thing. I was like, hmm, bit sore. Next day, I had to stop running after 12 miles. Wake up the next morning. Leg is like, uh, you know, it's like someone's put a cushion under the skin and you push your finger into it and it would be like, come back like a blancmange. And next day, I couldn't walk. Day after that, couldn't walk. When I say couldn't walk, I mean 30 foot to the toilet. Could not do it. Had to hop. And on day three, the Dean used to go home in like three days' time. I was like, right. If I can't walk to the toilet this morning, I'm just going to book a flight because I can't afford to have six to eight weeks here. Maybe yeah. this is my moment. I'm not pretty tired, but I'm broken. Yeah. So let's just go, and I walked to the toilet. It was a bit sore, but it was all right. I was like, let's go back to where we started, um, and I will see what I can do today. And so I walked 27 miles. The um, next day, I did 33. Then the next day, I was starting to do, like, run. A quarter of a mile walk a mile and then it gradually built back up, but you know three days after that Nadine was gone and I suddenly had this stroll. I had to get a um, a Greyhound bus back to a place called Jackson in Tennessee and start that day. And I thought, what is the one muscle you don't want to have torn when you're going to be pushing the stroll up a hill? I think a quads pretty high yeah, it's on that list. You on know, that, you yes. know, quads and glutes are sort of you know both vying for attention there, but Generally, in runners, it's more your quads, isn't it? Yeah. But I got away with it. Mm. I must have sticky muscles or something, you know. it's <laughs> yeah. um, so that was daunting. Um, mm. Second time round, I was sad for Olivia. Sad because of the RV, you know, sort of. Um, yeah, we had insurance and stuff, but you know how those things work out. Um, taking
0: months and months to get anything. Yeah, right.
1: exactly. And um, well, just trying to think how long it took is. I think it took us six
0: months to get it fixed. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ.
1: So it was out of the game for the whole um
0: for the whole run. So was that you camping for that six months? Well camping and probably a motel here in Camping,
1: and there. couch surfing, yeah. And so I would stay in the tent sort of one or two days a week. I would stay and couch surfing probably like three or four times a week and then I would uh couch surf would include like going to pubs, sitting down and say, Can I put the tent at the back of the pub or the bar? And then they just go, absolutely not. You're staying in my house. You know? Yeah. Which is great. Uh, and then about two days a week, I would stay in the cheapest motel in town, you know. Mm-hmm. My only criteria for it was like, I wouldn't pay, I think I had like 70, 80 bucks was my pretty much maximum most of the time. I'd aim for about 50, 60. And i just read the reviews and if there was like no mentions of bed bugs in it, I'd be like, that's fine. I don't <laughs> care about anything else, you yeah. Know? And, um, But then, of course, I was going through Wyoming um, just as the onset of winter is. And on the side of the uh, highways there, they have huge barricades that are just standing there in the grass. And just like, what's that? And it's to stop ginormous snowdrifts coming across the road. And so it wasn't snowing. Well, at that point, I got nailed by snow later in Wyoming um, when it got down to like minus 19 or, you know, in... Fahrenheit, that's minus two, but you know, yeah, cold. Very cold. Um <laughs> and there's one morning when I was just getting out of the tent and I was trying to put things in my bag, and I was basically instead of having um hands and fingers, it was exactly as if I just had no fingers. I I could push, you know, pick things up and put them in, and I it took me about half an hour to get my zip closed, and I just said, I think my camping days are <laughs> over.
0: <laughs> so you said there you did like a load of couch there, I and it's it's because as Brits we shit on Americans a fair bit, and your story is a, a lot that like the how good it came out was a lot down to the kindness yeah. of strangers in America. So, how many times did you were you like oh fuck I don't know where I'm going to stay I don't know what I'm going to do and then just some random random guy you've just met goes no you staying at mine I'll feed you do all that
1: at least once a week yeah, why at least once a week um and so I remember once I was in a um in a town called Morristown in Tennessee. Uh that's the state where I went solo and if it wasn't for the kindness and people in Tennessee, it's every chance I finish in Maine I get to the second ocean and I am um, that was probably the the second crossing was the one I was most emotional at, at the finish because I'd come through so much to get there. And I'd thought that this could be the end, you know, and sort of um Right, like that was the only one I cried at um, when, <laughs> when, I, when I got there because I was just like, oh my God. And if it wasn't for the people in Tennessee, I, of course, you cross over into Virginia next and you're just thinking, it's just not going to be as good as Tennessee, is it? Yeah. And people are, you know, and then you're in the cities and it doesn't happen as much. You know, it happens a bit because in the city, you know, sort of the kindest person in the world could have just walked past our window there, but you don't know because yeah. everyone's got their own busy things. but slower pace, it all works and then, um, yes, yeah, so this town in Tennessee I'm, I booked a hotel that night I was in a, not a bad mood I was very really in a stinky mood but I was quite often in a feeling sorry for myself mood and I was like, it's going to be so good just going to get to this hotel and then lie on the bed in my stinky kit have a bath, you know watch the wrestling, it's going to be great <laughs> and this guy drives past me, he's me early and he says, oh God, do you want to stay in mine tonight? and I was like, it's very kind of you Um but, like, you know, sort of, I've just booked a hotel and I can't cancel it. And I, I hadn't checked it, but I could can cancel it, to be honest. But I just thought, this fella doesn't deserve to have me being a grumps all night, you know. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay, I'll well, be you changing my mind. I said, I'm going to be coming back this way later anyway. And I thought, in 20 minutes, I just thought, oh, what a nice guy. I thought, I'll just, I'll just go. I'll yeah. suck it up, you know. Canceled my hotel. And he comes and picks me up and takes me there. And I sort of, uh, you know, staying with his wife and, like, Staying in the departed, like son's gone to university, like his room and it's like sort of you know all the sports pennants and his trophies and it was just yeah. like so cool. It was like something out of, like a sitcom, and then um, so that was great. But just before, I was in the car park of this motel uh, waiting for him to come pick me up. This Mustang pulls up with like two stunning girls in the, like I said the late twenties, and they're just like like southern draw like hey sweetie <laughs> what are you doing you know and I was just like oh I'm running across America and you like oh my god that's so cool has he got anywhere to stay and I was just like yes I'm just staying at this this chap's down road and he's like oh that's a shame like so you'd be more welcome to stay at ours you know so if you need anything you know wrote a number down on a piece of paper gave it across and I was just sort of thinking man if I was single <laughs> would this have been like so first of all I cancelled the motel then I cancel this gen. I'm just going to go. I would have I actually said to him, as you can understand. <laughs> You'll
0: get it. You'll get it. As everyone.
1: you can uh, No, he would have got it. He would have oh, just yeah. got, I'd have canceled too, I think, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I stuck with him. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, so that, that's Don Sheneman. Yeah. Don and Thelma Sheneman. And so. Um,
0: that's so funny. Yeah. But, yeah. It's- also, probably Nadine. If she hears this, she'll be like, oh, "What are you, what are you she, saying?" She knows that, that for? Like the story
1: because I'm stupid because I tell her about things like that, you know. <laughs> and then she just goes, "Why are you telling me stuff like this?" And she goes, "But I didn't do anything." She goes, well, "Of course, you wouldn't do anything." But now you've told me about it, and
0: my like, oh. brain's just not working. Yeah, at that exactly. Moment. But yeah, like staying with all these people, and obviously you've had all the kindness of the strangers in terms of that. Did you ever ever have any problems with people along the way? I can imagine over a year of running, you coming into some assholes. Yeah,
1: there. but but so few. Um, like one of them, um, you know, it ended up tying up in a story. Like the one we finished there, I was in a in Spring Green in Wisconsin, and it was like I don't know, maybe about thirty-five degrees that day, like a hundred percent humidity. Um, and I looked at the, I said, "Right, you can get to this town," and. There was some motels, there were some way expensive. There was this one, the room was 75 bucks. And I thought, yeah, that's more than I wanted to pay, but that's fine. Call up, you know, it's going, great, can I make a reservation? Don't have to make a reservation, plenty of space. Yeah, I'm just going to go survey, just one person in the room. And they're saying, well, the doubles, but they're all 75 anyway, so that's fine.
2: Yeah. And no, so
1: um, I um, get the um, get, get in the vicinity, the place and I get to this motel. And the lady just took one look at me and just goes, Sorry, we're full. And like, I was like, you got like a vacancy sign up there. She was like, Oh, yeah, I forgot to change that. And I just went, Oh, okay. Um, it's just because your vacancy sign's staying there. She went, Wait, well, you can't afford to stay here anyway. And mm. I said, I was like, Sure, I can. And I said, so, uh, How much is the, how much is the room? And she went, $250. So I just got my card out, and put it on put it on the desk like that I went that's absolutely fine and um, I had no intention if she would picked it up I'd have, I'd have gone absolutely no, no I'm, not, I'm not paying her I went that's absolutely fine and she went I don't want you to stay here and I said can I ask why and she said I don't have to explain I don't want you to stay here and I was like right I just went out and there were loads of mozzies about this time of night and the door was a little bit sticky on the way in so on the way out I just made sure it stuck and stayed there like that and she comes screaming at me. And I, this lady actually wasn't like sort of American. She sounded European. And um, she comes screaming at me and just said, Have you got like, any integrity in your country? Oh, my and I just sort of said, Well, for a start, leaving the door open uh, uh, that doesn't really fit with the definition of integrity. So I suggest you look that up in a dictionary. But one definition of integrity is don't tell people that you're fully booked when they've called up an hour earlier and you've promised him a room for $75. See you later. <laughs> and when went and camped in the woods over the road, but I was there for about 30 seconds and I talk about eight big mozzie bites. You know, you'd feel these things land on you, you know, like thud. And I was like, I can't stay here. Going down the road and this car pulls up and you're like, are you the guy who's running like down there 25 miles ago? And I was like, I assume so. And <laughs> they went, um... Like, oh, where well, are you staying tonight? You said, oh, I don't know, I'm just of the camp now. There's no motels in town. I might ask at the local church, you know. Mm. And he went, Absolutely no way you can you can stay at ours. And I uh, said there's only one problem and I was just like, What's that? And like, we're massive cycling fans and I've been listening to the tour of the Fans all day long on this sort of thing. And they said, When we get in, like, we are gonna be watching the highlights and I just said, This is my most favourite thing <laughs> ever, you know. And so that was one person A scary one was when I was crossing into um, upstate uh, Pennsylvania from upstate New York and I saw this dude who, you know, must have been about six foot tall. You know, like sort of mostly fat.
0: Yeah. That
1: sort of thing. You know, imagine like sort of a prop forward, but taller, you know. Like a beefcake kind of, A beefcake, yeah. But like he had seen better days. (laughs) And he's he's bare-chested tattoos everywhere, skinhead. And if you were going to like sort of, stereotype someone you would put him in the scary neo-nazi dude bracket you know yeah and then uh, he throws this like trash bag across his garden and just like fair enough no problems with that yeah. you know do what you want america you yeah. know <laughs> and um but then this bag hits the floor mm-hmm. and rolls over and it's got legs i'm like it's a dog and i was about like sort of 40 50 meters away from him and your brain goes through all these possibilities and I was thought I should say something to him here but in the middle of nowhere and he's massive and he's probably got a gun but he's just done that to his dog. Then he runs over and then just punts it in the belly and I'm like, oh my, god! so instantly I just let fly like properly like scaredy-scouse yeah. swearing like so he's never, I, I doubt he's ever heard so many swear words in such a short space of time mm. but then he just goes what did you say? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And, you know, and I, I, I repeated it, you know, trying to sound as confident as I did first time, but I definitely wasn't. And then he starts running after me. Oh, and I'm just like, yeah, no, literally. <laughs> and I had the stroller at this point and so I was just like, bang. And he's following the street and I had about like a 30 meter head start on at this point because he'd been walking and it goes on for about 200 meters and I sort of just walked behind me and he stopped and he's like bent over, you know, gasping for air. And he stands up and then he runs back to his house and I'm like Why are you running back to your house? Oh, you know, hell you yeah. know, you don't you know if you're knackered, you don't go, um oh the little Oh you cheeky swine, yeah. you know Yeah, yeah, and then you walk back and he and so I was like, Oh my god So I thought, right, before he gets here I've got to do something. So I, I take a screenshot of the map, pin on his house, you know. And then I send a photo of that to the dean saying, If you don't hear from me in the next like sort of, you know, eight hours, you need to direct police to this location to, you know, conduct inquiries. Yeah. And so then I get on down the road, legging it and continue every vehicle that goes past me, even ones that are coming towards me, because in case he's looped around and I was running on the side where traffic would be coming towards me closest. And all it takes is a little wobble. You know, there's um, a Kiwi guy called Nick Ashill who was running in Ohio around the same time I was there. And he got hit by a hit and run. Um, and the feeling is that it was a deliberate move. And the only reason they found him alive is that he was on the phone to his wife at the time oh he got God. hit. Yeah, exactly. Punctured lung, um, sort of fractured pelvis, uh, broken leg. And um, he didn't. He then got sick, like two or three weeks later, because he didn't realize like one of the pelvic fragments had just nicked his guts, and so then it just like got a bit necrotic, broke down, and then poured crap into his abdomen. exactly, yeah. And um he healed up, and like so three or four years after the event, he went back last year and finished his crossing, which is so he's like, yeah, you know, that's proper grit. Yeah. And um, but yeah, this guy never came, but. I was in the middle of nowhere, so of course, four to six hours later, there's still no word from dean. and um, I go to um, a local brewery in Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, and I sat down at the bar having a pint, and I just think, oh, I should message Nadine. I don't know, I'm alright, you know, just sort of thinking, you know, has she seen that?
2: She's just like, where have you been? Where have you been?
1: You know, a little bit like. Yeah. Yeah, just had no reception. She "Oh my God, you know, getting that message and then being able to try to contact and just kind of going, 'Number you dad is unavailable.' Oh yeah. my
0: God, can't even imagine how she was feeling during yeah. that few hours. And then you're just sat there having a pint in the yeah, pub at the yeah. end of it.
1: But like that that night as well, like I was I, I was staying with a tattoo artist in town, couch surfing, but I was chatting to the lads at the bar. Wouldn't let me buy a pint. Uh, and then one of them went. Do you want one of the brewery caps? I'll go and get you one. And I was just like, "Yeah, i will be boss." And then, um, like, so I was actually, I was in my bag yesterday that cap. And he goes back, but he also went to the ATM on the way and just goes, "There you go." It's like two hundred dollars, and it's just like, and I was like, "Have you played this with your wife, mate?" I don't <laughs> want you going to the brewery and coming back like three hundred bucks poorer. You know? He said, <laughs> yeah. "No, <"Nah>, it's gone."
0: <laughs> That's mental. People can be so kind, and then on the other hand, you have guys like that booting a yeah. dog, and you wonder what what has happened in their life for them to end up like that when there's others who will literally a guy they've just met give two hundred dollars to and give a place to stay to and feed and all that sort of thing. But I wanna go back a bit to when you were talking about you you cried when you you know you got across to the ocean. Mm. When you got to each ocean, you know, each time you made it, did you take time there to sort of reflect on how that leg had gone or was it almost like a right I'm here, done. Next job. They were all beautifully unique. Which I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad there was
1: never a poor relation, as in likes to develop the third finish was a bit crap. So the first one was amazing. That was the one I'd wanted for like you know however many years. And uh, Nadine was there. It was like you know we've done it. Whatever happens after this, we've done it. And I had some school friends there, some like uh, work colleagues, you know. And we had a dinner and a bubble Gump that night. Interviewed by. Like the like the main like sort of anchor on like uh, KTLA and stuff, and um, there was a pub quiz that night in the um, in the local English pub, and we were in the other room, and I went through to the toilet when the news article was on, and everyone was just like, "It's the guy, <laughs> it's the guy," and um, so that was fantastic. The second one, there'd been we have gone through so much to get there, you know, money had first started to. Run out, we had to go solo. Um, I had my sort of biggest injury. You know, it was the first time I'd had days off with injury. Had a bit of tendonitis, um, a lot of tendonitis on the first leg, but we just managed nice to keep moving. And um, my friend Jamie had come out, and he rode the last five days with me. So we went from Boston up to Maine together, and it was great to have like a permanent companion on the road rather than just seeing someone down down the line. Mm. And then. Uh, I'm a big fan of the band Interpol, and they got a song called "The Lighthouse," and it's really moody. And it's you can sort of imagine it being like you know foggy when this you know, and it was foggy here. And I put it on on loop in the last mile, and I, as I ran past Jamie, it was just like, "You all right, mate?" And I just went, "No, no, <laughs> yeah," and got to the point but, um that's where the chap had finished his. Uh, the, so the same lighthouse that's in the film, um, the chap had finished his second leg there. Um, you Know so sort of a year or two previously, and the museum committee came out to meet me. and There's loads of articles about him in the museum. They gave me a bottle of champagne. He said, When are you flying home? And I said, I'm not <laughs> turning around tomorrow and keeping on going. Because after the first leg, I had to go home to get my proper visa. Because only I wasn't, as I said, I didn't expect to do it, so I only flew out there on a 90 day visa, as in just a tourist one, enough to get that job done. And then came back and was just like, no, let's let's do it, let's have it, let's go properly. Wow. And uh, yeah. And then, um, so then I got to Chicago, then we got over to the other side, and the third leg finished. Like, so as far as I'm aware, no one's ever run across America three times in a year, and certainly no one's done it since. And we finished this lovely little place called Bandon Beach because no one knows where forests hit the third ocean. You can sort of guess roughly on the map, and so it's just pick a beach. Yeah. And we got there. And then that was just me and the dean, so no one else there, so it was really nice and you know, and knowing what we knew about the baby coming and her going soon, it was great. um and we just sort of then sauntered down the coast, where we stayed at another old school friends in San Francisco, so that was almost like a little bit of a lap of honor for the third leg, you know yeah. um then the fourth one. Was the second time I had to come home uh, to do my visa because um, well, I booked it for like, I think it was the 18th of December, so I meant I was home for Christmas and um, I had to get to South Carolina to get up to New York. And I got to South Carolina on the 17th on my own, so the, the only leg that I, did, uh, I did, you know, apart from a very short section in California, Nevada, all on myself, you know, it's the biggest sort of uh, stint. And I got there on the 17th, the day before I used to fly. Beautiful sunset. And when I got there, there were dolphins going in and out of the water. No way. It's so good. And um, this guy I just met at the quay, he was like a 15-year-old lad called Matthew. And he was like a Peter Parker type character. He's like, hey, mister, do you mind if I take your picture? And I was just like, yeah,
2: that's
1: great. And uh, he took these fantastic photos, like you know, some of the best photos I've ever um, like had of me, you know. And he would eventually come to the finish. Fifteen-year-old, maybe sixteen at that time, drove his mum from South Carolina to Utah. You know, because you can drive there then, and he just he pretty much boomed it out in fifteen hours on his own. Christ, yeah, Bang, wired. That's um, class. Yeah, and so and then of course the big finish was like surrounded by uh, you know people I love, like, said so some good new friends, including Matthew and his family, uh, a family from Alabama, I first met in Kansas, stayed with them when I had my probably worst injury, uh, and they got me fixed in three days, took me to a doctor, uh, got steroid in my butt, and um, nice. and they came over to Alabama too, because the dad, Ray, he, he took his youngest lad, because he said, he wants him to come and see this, just say, you can do anything, so when you think, I can't do it. I'm just going to go. This is just some dude. He's not like, you know, he's not been given this on the plate. And, yeah. you know, he's just gone and done it. And, and, and the to be surrounded by the Navajo Nation as well, you know, so I had like to have lots of people, um, you know, sort of who just followed me from the reservation and, um, which was fantastic runners as well. Yeah. And so we had the crowd at the end. It was the full
2: forest finish. Oh, that's class.
0: It's so good to hear. But let, let's go into the, Because you're a very, very happy, like, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Most of the time. Most of the time. From what what we see anyway. But, like, when you were deciding to do the run, and you obviously, like you say, you had, you'd saved for down payment on a mortgage, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you were deciding to do this thing. Did it ever creep in that you were like, oh, this isn't feasible because of, you know, we want to get a house, we have a job. Like, was that ever, did that ever creep in, or was it always... No, I'm quitting the job. We can use the money if we need to. And
1: When we started, we were so naive. That wasn't a factor, you mm-hmm. know? And so we just like, yeah, we'll spend a bit of money. And then the, the sponsors will laugh and we'll gamble. And it's like going fishing. Like, talking about, like, Sidney before, like, you know, sort of, he's gone fishing. Wheels could have come off on that. Nobody could have been interested in it, you know? And the one thing is, he's very good at producing funny bits of content yeah. and stuff like that, you know, which is really... And and he's been relentless, if I was to do something like that again, I would massively take a leaf out of his book. He's done so well there, um, but he could have done that and like on, mm. you know. You see people do some things. Somebody was saying this to me yesterday. He says like, Rob, There's people who've done these things and they're nowhere near on that size." But like now they're like a reality TV star and yeah. stuff like that. He said, "Are you not bitter? And I said, well, "No, because I didn't go out to be like a reality TV star and it's just going fishing." I I I went out there with the with the best rods. And the best base, and caught nothing, and yeah, someone goes out with a stick and a and a thingy. You know, of course you just go. I wish that had happened to me. Yeah. But I thought that at the time. I don't now. It's so good that it didn't happen because, like, sort of, um, I'll have none of the people bitching at the end. Just gonna go. Not oh, being funny. I could uh, run across a medical five times. <laughs> if, if I had a physio, animus, and a yeah. masseuse, and a nutritionist, you know. It's just, going, it's just not really cool is it you know i know it, it was almost adventure in the true sense like sort of you know i'm not hacking my way across the the jungle or climbing an unscaled peak but these days true adventures are actually quite hard to find and i think maybe putting yourself in a position where you are going to the limit of your means is the closest we can get in this first world you know and i think there is a market out there, I reckon, for people who just want to go, okay, let's do this. They go, that's not possible. It's We'll see. Yeah. You know, just keep going. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, I, I interviewed a, a, God, it must be over six months ago now, Um, of a woman called Akana Mori Bartlett. She's from Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And she broke the record for the most. Uh, consecutive marathons running consecutive days so 150 marathons 150 days is that lady
1: like went from like, like is it Cairns
0: Cape York, or like Cape York down yes, to Melbourne yeah. yeah so yeah I interviewed her and mm. I spoke to her about uh, Ned Brockman is she Aussie? yeah yeah she's oh, Aussie I thought yeah. she was a Brit. no no yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah she's from Melbourne she's yeah. dead, dead nice girl but when I spoke to her I asked her about Ned Brockman because mm. obviously he ran across from Perth yeah. to Sydney but never broke the record. But look at what that did for him in terms of it yeah. shot him to mm-hmm. stardom. And then she was struggling to still get sponsors on board and was spending her own money. And she was saying, it's the most frustrating thing because yeah. it's as good, if not better an achievement, what she's achieved, mm. but it's just gone so unappreciated. And I feel like with yours, your, your story is probably one of the most underappreciated stories out there to run five times across America and you know to all the trials and tribulations that you had throughout it. And then even afterwards, go on and do stuff like run across from Galway to Dublin in 24 hours. It still goes that unappreciated. It's like you wonder what else you could be doing to get to that point.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, there's there's people like, um, for example, I think I've had more recognition than a chap called Kevin Carr, who was the guy who's run around the world in the fastest time. And I reckon most people won't know. You just call, you know, Rob Pope. They'll just go, no, oh, the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and go, they probably don't, but they might go, oh, you know that guy who did the Forest Gump run. For he goes, oh, yeah, goes, that's Rob Pope. Yeah. But, like, sort of Kev's um, round-the-world run is 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 pretty great, you know, and he did it on his own, like, mm. sort of pushed his own stuff. I don't know what, how he funded his or anything like that. But, you know, I, I don't think he's bothered about it. He doesn't go looking for attention or anything no. like that. And I think he just went this. And I, I've i been sort of battling with injury recently. Like, so I'm, I'm gradually building my way back to a, almost like a hybrid sort of fitness because I'm not doing as much running as I was. And I was certain at the start of the injuries sort of the battle. I was a bit like sort of getting a bit morose about it. But now I'm just thinking, you oh know, God, I don't. Great run, like do you reckon Gary Lineker is upset now because he's not playing for England? He's probably not bothered, but he doesn't have like looking back on it. And yeah. I, I quite, you know, so I've got my thing now, you know, sort of. Uh, we eventually bought the house, you know, so you know, we just did what people did, go back to work and you save up. Mm. And um, you know, I hope I'm in the position now where you know, sort of Nadine, like sort of their family lost their house when she was growing up as well. So it's exactly the sort of thing. And Now we're just like, this is not going to happen to be. And so I've completed life, you know. If I get to that sort of point, you know, sort of, mm. um, and and that's the outcome is that you know B can go to uni and like sort of, you know, she'll have a, you know a house or something like that after we go. What do I want after that? Yeah. You know. So and and uh, I've got this nice little bit of history to her. Uh, she can even read about it. In the book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet when she gets stage, I don't want to hear about this again. I mean, yeah, enough about uh, it. Yeah, but yeah, like to. I don't know. It's 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 one of those things, isn't it? Whereas I think uh, Rust, hardest geezer, mm. he's gone about it in a way where he sort of acknowledged he wanted to build the following. Like if you look yeah. at his previous stuff, he's done the Asia to London run that he did when he I think he was twenty one at the mm. time, which is fucking wild. And then he's done stuff like buried himself alive. Like yeah. the twenty the twenty six beers marathon and stuff like that like it's all now
1: so now building. we're talking I will take him on at that oh go
0: on let's yeah. have it
1: you've heard this now Russ right I didn't know about this one. I ain't burying myself alive you know maybe do
2: like a decathlon you know we'll,
1: we'll race each other from uh, from Istanbul to London you know sort of um, you know, that could be an even race we'll um, they're buried alive I reckon I'll, I'll duck out of that early so it means I've got to go hard in this 26th beer. Run, you know, and so, mm. but yeah, like, so yeah, I've got like a, a, a fair few followers, but like, I, I'm not as active on social media at the moment, because like, so unless I've got something really fun to do, I put snippets on there, because people are interested, and people are kind enough to message me, and sort of saying, oh, how are things going? So, I'll put the odd training run up, I'll put a photo of be doing something, you know, and yeah. uh, and like, you know, as I said, like, lucky last year, uh, that was a win. Um, it was on on the way back, and I, I sort of realised that I was lucky enough to most things in life that, you know, set out to achieve, I've done. You know, like this America one was um was like sort of you know unbelievable. But I the island one, I was just like right, I've never run for twenty four hours, and I set myself a distance which I thought it was a genuine fifty fifty whether I could finish it or not. You yeah. know, and so on because I hadn't been training because I'd been injured. And I thought, right, let's set it, you know, to... Uh, and if I fail, I'm not going to be bothered, but I want to get to the point where it's it's on the edge, you know? And, uh,
2: yeah.
1: And um, I think I made it with 24... Minutes to spare, like so. Actually, still, I've not done a twenty-four hour run yet. No, yeah, no. I just realised Yeah, I <laughs> A year after the events, I've just realised I've still never done the twenty-four hour race. You know, like, it just depends whether we count the Guinness in the pub immediately afterwards we'll, part. Of we'll, the race. we'll count that. You had yeah. one
0: before as well, didn't you? go
1: away. I, I did have one before. You yeah. know, there's a little bit um, of me that still wonders whether if Ireland gets the World Cup final. Uh, whether I'll go back the other way and see if I can get to go away <laughs> for the final. But uh, I'll have to have a word with the doc about oh. that first, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny as well, because I was in Ireland, I was in Belfast last week, Guinness just tastes so much yeah, better. I was
1: in County Clare, like, in County Clare last week as oh well. Yeah, they yeah, used to oh. do a little bit of cycling. <laughs>
0: oh, because I went over and I'd never understood the thing with Guinness and what people were, you know, crazy mm. about it. like the two-part pour and it's got to be this and it's better if, like, The kegs closer to the tap, and when I got there and tried, what I was like, oh my god, this is.
1: You'll get some killjoys who just go, it's not, it's the same stuff. And if you're in a, if you're in like a busy Irish pub in town, you know, you you ain't gonna get any bad problems with the lines and stuff like that. But even the same daiquiri blind taste test, you know, one from like, um, you know, a beach club in Barbados versus one in a hotel in London, and I just put you in a dark room. It'd be fifty-fifty, which you pick, or even the worst one. It's the surroundings in it, you yeah. know. I ch- I say that daiquiri on the beach is way better yeah. than that one, <laughs> and it was just one out of a can. <laughs> just yeah. one out of a can is way better than the than the proper mixed one in London, you know. And you know, yeah. Last weekend we had a fair few, and normally you'll have a pint again, this won't you? And then go, well, I'll just get back to my normal
0: beers, but not no, in I No, I did. <laughs> yeah, we, we like we went out, and I was like, like, I was like, I'll have a couple, and I get on some other stuff, like eight later. And You're just still going, you're like, fuck, it's, yeah. just, it's just so easy to get down as well. It, it, when you got the live music going, everyone's buzzing, singing, dancing, like, yeah, like, oh, it'll I be, it'll be some,
1: some place if they get to the World Cup final. I oh, just, yeah, imagine that'd be cool, that'd be quality cool if they
0: got to the Rugby World, yeah. Final. But yeah, so you, you moved over to Australia as well, didn't you? You were saying, yeah. and you lived out there, so what was it that took <laughs> you out there? Um,
1: well it was actually sort of disappointment with the job as well. It seems to be what happened to get disappointed by a job and go, I'm going to the other side of the world. <laughs> and um, I got offered a, an equivalent sort of one in Australia by someone who's a lecturer at my old uni. He's a really good lad called Des Hughes. And he uh, he always played footy with the students and he was like proper good. Um, And I just said about this and I jokingly said, have you got this job in, in Melbourne? And he goes, Well, we can't give you that one because you need to be an Aussie permanent resident, but we've got this one. It's almost as good. It doesn't come with a qualification at the end of it, but it pays more. And I was just like, All oh, right, I love that. You know? Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we moved out to um, to Werribee, which is where the University of Melbourne uh, vet hospital was. Yeah. And um, I like, said, so Werribee's got a very unfair reputation. Um, like it was called the shit farm, wasn't it? Because yeah. uh, the sewage works, but it doesn't smell. Uh, and um, <laughs> We we were driving around on the first day, and we we're just going. This place is actually really nice. Yeah. And um, we went back recently in um in January for the wedding, and we stayed in a uh, hotel or an apartment complex just by Flemington uh, on the first night because we thought we don't want to impose ourselves on any mates jet lags, but just get there. And this place had a rooftop pool that looked out onto onto like uh, the, the 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 CBD. And we're just sort of swimming in this, looking across and saying to Mrs. Gunk, should we come back? You know, <laughs> and We're 50-50 at the moment. And the reason, you know, why stems to the original question, like, you know, why are you going? Now it would be for B. You yeah. know, so we like it there, but it would be a big gamble for us. We've got an incredible, incredible circle of friends and it would be awful to leave them. But, you know... Your two friends will still be there in a bit, yeah. And we're wondering now whether we go over there for at least five years, get citizenship for B, and like you know, for us at the side, we'll to decide when it's warm, Um, and if we really like it, I will stay.
2: You yeah. Know, if
1: not, then we come back, and then she's got that in her in her arsenal to you know work anywhere she wants when she's older.
2: You know.
0: Yeah, it's one of that's what I found is because I went for I've been away for 13 months in Melbourne yeah hadn't seen any I just, I, two of my friends flew over in March saw them for a week and then my mum came out the week before I came back mm. and I was dreading coming back because I'd, I, I'd always wanted to leave the UK yeah it was always in my head I was like I'm leaving I'm leaving I'm leaving came back first week I was a bit overwhelmed since then time in my life because you get to see that you f- you forget how good it is mm. yeah and I think when you're in one place for so long <laughs> You lose what it is and what it means to you. Yeah. And I've come back and I've absolutely loved it. And I can't complain about anything to do with... Like, I used to moan about the UK so much. Mm. And I genuinely can't complain about it because it's such an amazing place. But I'm also ready to go back because the quality of life is better. Yeah, You do earn more money and you do have a better work-life balance. So it's, you know, it's one of those places, especially for a kid, mm. that I feel like the system's built to have a happier, healthier, fitter life sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And um, if, for us, it'll depend really because uh, we're, we're gone past the age of, um, of uh, easy visas now. Yeah. And so my only real paths are back via the uni or if I can persuade somebody to pay me enough, which I won't complain if that happens, <laughs> you know, to get over the threshold to come in. Uh, but yeah, it's one of these i I'm you know, you know, you said like you're on a down and I said about England and stuff and you can see why. And um like sort of having lived in different places I can compare it. So I'm not one of these people who's like, Oh Britain shit. Mm. You know, it's shitter than it was hundred <laughs> percent. But it's still really, really good. It's great, good. As yeah. As you said, you realise that when you come back, you go, "Oh, it actually isn't rubbish," you know. Because yeah. you have uh, to take
0: yourself out of the situation to actually reflect yeah. on what it is and what it does mean, sort of thing.
1: And it is one of the things where literally the grass is greener because when you, you fly back over the UK, you're like, oh my god, it's so green. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to like, <laughs> rather than just
0: brown everywhere.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but if we went back, like, so we'd go back. I think we'd go back to where's Just because, uh, well. You know, that athletic stud there, they've got a little thing called Little Athletics on it lays and just the, the kids there, they love it and they're just so well-mannered and, you know, it's that sort of thing. I just, I, that whole thing is just like, when I go there, I want to put B in it, but I'm also aware of the fact that we pick up everything, go to Australia and then he goes and she goes, I don't want to do this and I'm just like, right, <laughs> right, okay, well, at least yeah. we, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. At least we can enjoy this now. Yeah, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It's just it is such a different quality of life. And then obviously, being in America, did you ever want to move there after the run and stuff like that?
2: It's slightly tricky for me because,
1: like, being a vet, to go and work in America, you've got to do a um, another another exam, uh, and that exam is so general. Like, I'm pretty specialised now at the moment. I pretty much I do a bit of general stuff, but it's mostly just eyes. Um, But in America, when you do that exam, you need to know everything about horses, chickens, cows, pigs. I've done anything with them for 20 years. And so that would be a a tough ask. But it was a few places, big cities. um, I wouldn't mind Chicago, Boston, uh, Austin, and Nashville. They would be my sort of four biggies. Um, Little towns, there's loads of them all over the place. There's one called Wallace, Idaho. Which is just over the border from Montana It's absolutely gorgeous, it's got its own brewery in town If anyone's ever seen the film Dante's Peak Where like the volcano erupts and destroys it That's actually set in Wallace And so, you no. know And um, it was actually called the centre the, the mayor decided that it was the centre of the universe And he put a plaque on the pavement Just going to go, this is Wallace Idaho The actual centre of the universe And so it's just a a cool sort of a you know quirk of the town. I saw my first moose there as well. No way. And um, but if I was gonna go anywhere, someone says, you know, cut the crap, where are you gonna go? It would be Flagstaff in Arizona. Um, the last big town I hit before I finished. Um, but it's also such a haven for runners, and I think it's got like seven different craft breweries in the town. So.
0: I mean, can't go wrong, I can know, you? Yeah.
1: Running in the summer, skiing in the winter. I don't really ski, but you know, still you could
0: you take it up. I could
1: do a bit of cross country skiing <laughs> and stuff like that. I just I, I just get worried now that I would span on me knee and not be able to run again, you know, and stuff and so Is that
0: is that your thing then? Is now obviously having when you had B, I remember you saying in one of I think it was the podcast with Chris Williamson. Yes. Where you were saying about how your mindset changed. It wasn't just about going out for a run, it's avoiding anything that could cause an issue or, you know, cause you to be injured or cause you to be in hospital and stuff like that because you were thinking of the child at the time.
1: Yeah. So like, I just didn't like I so said, this is when I was actually in the States and stuff and so I wouldn't run at night. It, or if I did, it would give me like in, in the past I'd run at night and I'd get to the to the R V if Nancy was there and she would go, I've been so worried about you and I'd be like, Why?
2: It's fine. Yeah. running at night
1: whereas then once a new beer was on the way i'd be running along and i'd be like i hate this i hate this and i just got a massive sense of my own mortality you know um but these days i just try and you know schedule it around like i'm the worst morning person in the world but now i try and get up at about six and get to the gym and do at least an easy run if that's easy run day and then you know things in, you know, so I've got my day off today, so I've got me running while B's at school,
0: you yeah. know. Yeah, it's it's interesting as well because you, obviously now, I don't know if you're working towards anything or what have you, and I, I was thinking last night when I was prepping for this about that Tyson Fury scenario where he, his whole life he wanted to work towards being a world champion. Mm. When he got there, that was when his downfall occurred because it was the what, what in the yeah. world do we do next, mm. so the moment you finished the run, what was what was going through your head at that point and in the next few weeks after? Did you ever have that shit, what do I do now moment?
1: I was insulated from it because I was tired when I finished the run, but just because we were sleeping in a hotel room with a three-and-a-half-week-old baby because she came out to, yeah. the, to the finish, you know. Um, and then I was suddenly, you know, this is completely new. And so it was almost like carrying on the run. Just I wasn't running; I was doing something else, and then it got like quite a, a way down the while. And um, I, I was saying like I, I'd seen this Facebook post on that group USA Crosses, which is all about people who've walked or you know, so if anyone ever wants to do that, it's a valuable source of information. And um, someone put a post up about uh, how everybody dealt with their depression. Posted running the war or the walk, and I was like, I won't get depressed. You mm. know, lost a house lost my mum, broke up in relationships and I'm just, you know, a couple of weeks later I haven't just got a cough but I'm um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, but I'm fine and um, I didn't post anything to that effect because obviously some people were struggling there and six months down the line I realised that I was struggling because all oh, the euphoria had gone and I was just tired with her looking after me and I, I didn't have that massive thing there And, you know, so I I went from not having done anything before because I didn't want ultra before I actually uh, started this and I got injured in it. And so it wasn't as if I said, right, this is the the pinnacle of my ultra career is this. I was just there. And it's like sort of if Usain Bolt did the, uh, you know, got his four gold medals in the first Olympics and then afterwards there was nothing there for him, you know. Yeah. And so... uh, you know, I've I've filled my time with other things. You know, sort of. Uh, I'm aware that I'm not going to do any of these uh, big things. For, well, in that immediate period, but Nadine has recently indicated that she would potentially be be up for me doing some more things. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's because she's sick of me, uh, but a little bit sorry for all the coppers. Right right, sorry, don't worry. If you need to grab yeah. a drink
0: to grab, grab but, a drink.
1: Yeah, I think um, I might I might get a water actually because I just finished that and then. Uh, but I've what,
0: actually got a water here for just oh, watching that.
1: Superb. Actually, I'll pour it in just because if <laughs> this is a proper pop, it's, uh You know when you exercise so hard yeah. and you rinse your lungs? Yeah. But this was this at the velodrome yesterday because I, I don't do sprinting, and it was full-on anaerobic effort. Like, I didn't have a heart rate monitor or anything like that, but I reckon my heart rate would have been up around the 175, 180 mark. I... I managed to do, I had a really good partner in the in the team pursuit and we won that. Yeah. Uh, but then they had this thing called the Aussie pursuit where you would chase people around the track and once you're caught, you're out. And I got down to the final two in the B final. And um, this fella, just every lap, he would take a meter out of me and I couldn't get away from him. But because he wasn't taking huge chunks out of me, it was me at maximal effort. For loads of these laps, as he just slowly got me, and afterwards my, my chest was burning. I've been
0: hacking ever since. Oh, I can imagine. Mm. It hits different, doesn't it, when you do that first anaerobic session that you've yeah. not done in a while? Like I had, I had knee surgery two months ago, so I've not done anything anaerobic. What have you done? Ah, um, mm-hmm. oh, it's 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 something you I was essentially not born with, but when you develop your knees as mm-hmm. as a child. My kneecap developed, instead of developing as one big one, it developed in one big one and one small one. And the small one was mobile, so it was essentially uh, causing friction on the tendons and ligaments on the outside of the knee. So everything shortened there, which pulled the kneecap towards the femur and was then rubbing bone on bone. So after after years of football and running, it just got to a point where going up and down the stairs was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. So they literally went in, uh, pulled that bone out, did a last row release of the of the fascia and good good as gold now. Like, Boom. Yeah, yeah. Back on the bike and stuff. Did a thirty minute session this morning. Felt like shit, but yeah, got through it. You That's know? the
1: way it works, man. Yeah, it's... I'm gradually building my Strava score back to a peak of where it was. What
0: what was the peak of like? So in terms of like a, a week on Strava, what was your biggest week during the run?
1: Uh more. Oh. There would have been ones where it was like uh, probably about three fifty mile a week I Jesus reckon. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well no that actually that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been a big one. That'd have been fairly typical on the fourth. Like there would definitely would have been some some ones over four hundred, I would say. Yeah.
0: Jesus Christ. Gotta be up there in like the top ten on Strava for that week.
1: Well, certainly in twenty seventeen, nobody run more than me in the world, you know. And so maybe maybe Russell get up there this year. Like, so I don't know the distance he's doing. I know it's far. Um, but like, sort there's only there's only Sir Girard who's a French guy. Um, who a few years earlier, like he is still the guy who's got the biggest mileage in a single year, which is about fifteen thousand. And yeah, in 2017, I did about 12,000. So, and that's number two. So, a bit of a leap to old <laughs> Um But like I said, I don't really, I don't really see anyone beating him to yeah. be honest. But um, I'd like to go. Yeah. yeah,
0: there's a there's a guy who I follow on Strava called oh, what's his
2: name?
0: I think it's so, something Andrew Glaze, and he run he's run a hundred mile race every week for <laughs> the past like 80 something weeks savage yeah. yeah and he's the top I think he's the top three on Strava for the most distance run in a, year, in a year yeah
1: the guy's just
0: every single week this the state of his toes like it's they are more
1: the fact that like, <laughs> sort of, uh, like are they all like proper sanctioned races most well, of them yeah I was going to say like, well, like uh, it's the odd one he just goes there's no race this weekend I'm just going to do 100 miles yeah I think so yeah because like the sheer amount of uh, organisation required to find those races and get to them, that's as impressive as the running itself. It's Not just
0: that, it's the cost of it all. The cost yeah. of every single race in terms of your nutrition, the, the well, cost yeah. of the no, race. That
1: would be a thing. He might he might get the race fees. Free. Yeah. I, re- I reckon he can probably write to race. T- if he's not, he should be doing. He could probably write the race directors now and just go, "Mate, come on." Just like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell yeah. people I'm running.
2: You
0: yeah. know?
1: Because that would be a thing.
0: Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? The the, the feats some people go to. Do you think you're addicted to the euphoria of running?
1: No, um, I don't really get it. You know, so I yeah. like running and mm. stuff like that. Uh, it's more. It's just my time, you know. I just like being out there, you know. So I like getting at a pace where I don't have to think about it. You know, so obviously, you know that varies depending on whether you're out for like fifteen k like today, or whether you know you're doing hundred and fifty k. And I do sometimes like the the one good thing about the ultra is the struggle isn't the like the struggle I had yesterday, where you know you're gasping for air, which isn't really a pleasant feeling, you know. Yeah. And so uh, it's more just that you know, come on, I can do this, and it's nice to be able to have that time to talk to yourself and go on and do it. Like, I think I like journey running. Um, I like saying, right, let's get from this place to another one because I could have done that 24 hours around the track and I basically just looked at distances that would be, you know, roughly 135 miles and Dublin, go away to Dublin was 136 and sounds yeah. like, perfect. But, um, you know, I'm desperate to go across Australia. You know, I've got that shoulder for a reason. That will happen at one point. I want to go from where I finished um, to um to the ocean one more time, yeah. Uh, you know, just so I can get that fifth crossing uh, ticked off,
2: and then um yeah, there's
1: you know the classic Lands End John O'Groats. But if I did that, I'd do it at least twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's
0: a there's a guy, um, Leon Bustin's just done that. Did it? in yeah. Just under two weeks. Yeah. I had him on um uh, on the podcast. He was one of the first guests I actually ever did. And at the time, he was doing the... T- Have you ever heard of Ultra X? The yes, country?
1: yeah. Yeah, no, Ultra X race is great. Yeah, mm. like the
0: stuff they're putting together, like the he did, I think, 250K in Jordan. Yeah. In the de- in the Wadi Run desert. Yeah. Like, can you that's, imagine? That's a great,
1: run that, and like sort of, uh, cheaper than marathon Day Saab <laughs> as well, you know. If anybody is thinking about whether they want to do marathon Day Saab, I would say do the Ultra X first. Like, sort of, uh, mm. you know, it's a smaller scale, it's less fancy and stuff, but the... Uh, the guys at Ultra X, sort of, I think they know what makes runners tick. Yeah, and um, yeah, they like, sort of. I, I think you could any of those races, whether it's the smaller ones in in England and Wales. Uh, I believe they just got a new one in America. Um, you know, sort of, like, I might have to get my eye on that one. But uh, uh, you know, sort of, they're uh, they're cool. Yeah, so yeah, Leon's uh, Leon's the jog was, uh, yeah.
0: was a yeah top effort. Oh yeah, it was. So as you said, throughout the run as well, you would come back, work your ass off, mm. go back to work and stuff. When you were going back to work, how did you feel about that? And then when you finished the run and had to go back to work, what was that feeling like? Because I can imagine from going from, you were going to work for a reason to leave, to go back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're going to work to go to work and that's that then. Yeah. Did you struggle with that at first or was that always like you kind of just came to terms with it?
1: Yeah, like, sort of, um, I was doing, like, little bits at local. I, mean, I was working for a mate, which helped, you know, mm. and stuff. But uh, I've got a mate who's series that all work shit. That's why they have to pay you to do it. So, <laughs> you know, I think you just, as with anything, mate, you know, sort of uh, work is sort of one of life's lemons, isn't it? You know, yeah. but you are aware that you got to suck the odd lemon to earth to <laughs> find an orange. And uh, if I, you know, these people who say, oh, if I won the lottery, I would, I'd still, I still go to work. I
0: wouldn't. No, I, wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't. Yeah. I find something else which could classes work. It would probably be this that you could classes work, but isn't actually
2: absolutely like, you know, yeah.
0: Being able to do this is like on another. You know, just like I said to the guys who were like, oh, why do you do this, Mike? If I get to speak to people, or never get a chance to speak to why like, <laughs> and just like sit down in a pub and just have a chat for what we yeah. doing for an hour and twenty minutes?
1: having fun, honestly.
0: And like, yeah, there's some of the people I've interviewed, and I'm like, when I sit and reflect on it, I'm like, fucking hell that I, I'm like quite proud of that that I've managed to sit down with these people and have these conversations. But well,
1: surely it's got to be inspiring you to go and crack on and do something big.
0: That's, it, no, mate. That's it That's it. That's it. Once no, have uh, I've said a few times. I think I've put it on record, so I'll say it again. The, so Port Phillip, the you know what Melbourne's yeah. surrounded yeah. by. I'm not this. There's, there's a cycle race called around the Bay in a day. Yeah. And I want to run that, and I want to do you're it. Run it
1: amazing.
0: Run it in hopefully 24 hours, but it I might be well, hundred and fifty miles. Oh. So it'd be it'd be it be That's a while spicy. away. It'd yeah. be a while away, and because yeah. it'd have to be at a decent pace. Probably I think you're probably talking about like 10 minute a mile or less. Yeah. To get that done. But yeah, that's the long-term goal. That's one thing that I do want to get. Are you done. going
1: to swim from Queen'scliff to Sorrento? At but the end? I have to, aren't I? Yeah, <laughs> have a pint pintway on the other side. Yeah. You could get on the ferry and just run around the deck. I think we'd let you off again yeah. as long as you cover the distance. I'll do that.
0: I'll get them put a treadmill on it or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's the big goal because that's the thing when you speak to people like yourself and Leon and Macana, it's just like it makes you want to go and do something because everyone needs that passion thing that yeah. they can go after. And at the minute, mine is this. Mm. It's having these conversations with people, but also the physical feats. If you don't achieve the physical feats, I feel like you're missing something with that because you're not allowing yourself to get to that point where you're at a mental battle with yourself, where yeah. you could quit, but you're not going to. And I can imagine on your runs, you've had many moments where you're like, I could just fucking stop right now. And oh, then yeah. you don't, yeah.
1: Days that would end in the word day.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, honestly, so that's that's the the big thing that I want to do over the next few years because, like I said, I've got another two three years left in Melbourne because PhD's you know four years long. So yeah, got a bit of time to get that done, you know, which is good. So yeah, um, but for yourself now, what are you do? What's the plan for the future? Have you got anything coming up or?
1: Not, nothing lined up really like sort of, I'm just enjoying sort of running more than I was I just need to sort of find out exactly what's going on with this knee it's kind of baffling doctors a bit you mm-hmm. know Sort there I don't people just go oh dude you're not you're not injured cuz I just saw you did like a 90 mile bike ride on a Strava or you know you were doing nice like, sort of, you know uh, you know seven miles you know the other day and I just going yeah no it's just not right yeah. and I don't want to sort of you know cuz say for example some of the things I've done take so much commitment and if I was doing it again ain't no way I'm going to be financing it, you know, yeah. certainly not a big one and so I'd want to be fair to sponsors, I don't, you know so if someone was sponsor me, I don't want them to be paying for a jaunt, I want them to get their, you know, value out of it and so if I go into it thinking oh, I'm glad to say it's going to cost me out but am I going to, I don't mind failing because it was just bloody hard,
0: that's yeah.
1: fine you know, sort of, uh, but failing because of a known th- thing that I thought could flare up. So I'm just sort of biding me time at the moment. But it is—it's making progress, and um, I'm lucky enough to uh, to have a mate sort of uh, who is involved with Liverpool's medical departments, mm. and uh, so he's going to sort me out. That's good. He, right. might, he might just sort of take like, someone else's knee from there, you know? <laughs> what, what, one, one of the players that they sell, they'll just uh, do a quick knee transplant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be all right, that, wouldn't it, Get an elite athlete's knee like Yeah.
2: Wouldn't
0: mind it. But yeah, so the one question I always end on with uh, all my guests is, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, just
1: as a laugh, you know. Just, yeah.
2: yeah,
1: exactly. And I mean, like, said, sort of, I, the only sort of thing, like sort of... I I think it came across, I think people saw on on my social media side of things, like, I hardly took any negative stuff. The only negative stuff that I ever got was it was that, oh, it must be nice not to have a job, or, you know, sort of, oh, and who's paying for this? And my mates were very quick to just go, he's paying for it, and he did have a job, he left it to do this, so do one. And so people, think, thought it was honest, and I think that that's, I I think, if, if people always take me on face value, I'd be happy with that, you know, because... Generally, what you see is what you get.
0: Yeah, mate. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Just Thank tell everyone where you could, where they can find you online and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So social media, uh, I'm Run la Run. That's R O B L A Run La Run, <laughs> and um, the website, which is the dot com. And if you would like to get my book, it's available in hardback, paperback, and audio book. It's called Becoming Forest. That's <laughs> the best book ever.
0: Did you do the audio? I did. It. Oh, mate. Yeah. You've got to buy it now with a Scouse yeah. accent.
1: Class. I, I did it in the same recording studio as Sean Ryder, who was doing his, you know, he'd sing out of the Happy Mondays, and he'd go past every day, He's doing <laughs> his little Sean Ryder walk, give me a little wave, go in, do that. He'd come out half an hour later, I'd be in there for eight hours, you know, banging it out. But, um, yeah, most people have found the accent not to be a problem.
0: Yeah, mate, it's class. Well... Everyone go follow and, yeah, appreciate you coming on. Cheers. Nice one, mate. Hope you enjoyed that one with Rob. Really fun time for me. I had a great time. Thanks to the White Horse in Walton as well. You know, massive, massive thanks to them for opening up the pub early for us and allowing us to film in there as well. And We also got time to have a pint afterwards. So if you're ever in... Uh, Walton, then go down to the White Horse. It's an incredible little place and I hope you enjoyed that episode. So remember to like, subscribe, share and also follow Rob wherever you can. And I'll see you next week. Actually, no, I won't see you next week because it's Christmas. So enjoy your Christmas and I'll see you in the new year. Cheers.